Well, greetings from the Lesnar household on this Ash Wednesday. As we begin Lent together, um, we are going to be asking a question in our sermon series, Why Are You Here? It's a sermon series that is going to look at meaning and purpose in our lives, especially in light of God's love for us. But it's also a question we tend to ask when we lose control of what's going on around us. I mean, think of this Snowmageddon 2021 here in Texas where um, we feel like we're out of control. We don't have control of the power grid. We're asking, well, why am I here? Why is my pool broken? Why uh, do I not have gas or water? Why is this happening to me? And, and there tends to be a feeling when things go wrong that maybe we're just a small part uh, or maybe we don't even belong uh, if we don't have the control that we sought. Um, during 2020, with COVID hit, there was just a lot of time to reflect and question um, what do, where do I fit in? And it's not, uh, for, and First John is the scripture we're going to read from today. It's a book, it's a letter that um, John the Evangelist writes to churches, multiple churches who are experiencing this struggle of meaning and purpose. Um, and, and it affirms that sometimes we don't always have control over everything, but not in a bad way, not in like a karmatic way of, well, we must have put bad energy into the world, so we're receiving bad energy back, or I did something to make sure that I didn't have power um, during this time. Uh, no, it, it affirms actually that we don't have control in the best way possible. Um, and it means that God is with us. So I'm going to read our scripture verse from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10, if you want to follow along. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Um, so that sounds heavy. It sounds heavy in that we have to do all of this confessing and everything. But let's return to that sense of powerlessness because uh, John is writing to people who feel the way that we do. Um, when things are spiraling out of control or when they are losing uh, confidence in everything that they built up around them. Um, they were early Christians who were starting these churches. And go ask anyone from Creekwood what it was like when they first were putting ch uh, chairs every Sunday and the Lovejoy Gymnasium to set up for worship. It's a rush of adrenaline and meaning and purpose because you're busy and you're successful and you're accomplishing things. Um, and this is the way that the church was early on is they had to, to grasp onto these small victories along the way. But, um, but along the way, in, in chapter one, John refers to these false teachers called the Antichrist, just to be blunt and not gracious at all about that. And people were apparently coming and teaching these early Christians that Jesus actually didn't um, he wasn't the incarnation of God. God did not actually take on flesh, that Jesus was just a regular human, nice guy, good teacher, maybe a good prophet, but not God in the flesh, which takes away the meaning of Philippians 2 and the Gospels of that Jesus died for our sins and that through Jesus' resurrection, we have eternal life through the power of God. And so there was some huge underlying tensions between this group of people and the and the community of First John is dealing with uncertainty on levels we know about. Um, first of all, they've lost friends. When we lose people from our communities or our families, we, we start to ask, well, why am I here? 
um, why am I still a part of this organization if somebody who has left has chosen to do that already? Or even at funerals, I, I tend to hear people question their own life. You know, what is my life about? What am I supposed to be um, about in this life? What's my purpose here? And so the people are experiencing a sense of, of loss, of the friends, a purpose that comes along with community, um, and maybe not grounded in and of themselves. But with that crisis of confidence comes the question of, well, what, do, what am I even doing here? If, if everything that I've been taught is uh, being undercut, um, what is my purpose? What is my meaning here? And, and and should I still continue to pour so much energy into this organization? Because so much of our identity is bound up in achievement and success. So much of it is bound up in busyness and roles in this world, even when we're little and we're learning how to walk and talk. And then we learn about the Milky Way uh, and the vastness of Earth, that we're not the center of the universe. We start to question, well, what is my role in all of this? And then as teenagers, and we're pressured to choose our career path by eighth grade and, and to have that plan in place. And then when we go into young adulthood and we're trying, we're climbing the corporate ladder and we're striving and we're hustling and we're trying to control everything around us and we're seeking the perfect love and the perfect family and, and the perfect community and everything is bound up in what we can control and these people in first john have found that they don't have control over everything and so here john affirms that and, and affirms it in a way of saying that they don't have control because ultimately they're subject to God's control. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes would say that vanity of vanity, everything is vanities. There's no meaning and purpose to this world. But John says that the reason we are here, the reason we're worshiping together, the reason we gather together, the reason we are called Christians, the reason we exist is because we're forgiven. And forgiven often is this condemnation of guilt. Uh, which it is. I mean, Ash Wednesday is and Lent is this confession that we are not whole and we are not perfect and, and we make mistakes and we sin and we miss the mark um, on occasion. But um, with forgiveness also comes redemption and resurrection. And what it means is that not is it just an admission of guilt, it's a mission that you're chosen. It's an admission like the prodigal son parable that Jesus tells that God is willing to run down the street to find you. And God is always pursuing us. Um, there's a saying we say on Ash Wednesday. It's from dust you came to dust you shall return. And from this, we face our own mortality. We admit that we're not perfect. We admit we can't control life. We will die eventually. We will make mistakes eventually. We admit that we don't have control. But in that admission, we return to the dust which God breathed life into and molded into the beautiful creatures that we are, the beautiful creation that God gave us. And so forgiveness is not just an admission that things aren't imperfect. It's an admission that God is perfect and that God's perfect love uh, reinvigorates us, inspires us. And, and what confession actually does is it opens ourselves up to the movement of the Spirit more so because we're not trying to control everything and we're not downtrodden when things go wrong. We're not lost when we have no meaning because our meaning is, our purpose is, why we are here is that we're forgiven. We're chosen. John Wesley loved 1 John chapter 4 where it defines God as love. And because God is love, 
God had to have an object of, of love in creation. So we were put here as a mutual loving partner with God. God is committed to us. And the more that we admit that we need to be committed to God, the more God is able to use us and shape us and mold us out of that dust. So today on Ash Wednesday, when, when you hear you are forgiven, yes, it means that we are imperfect. It means we make mistakes. It means that things aren't always in our control. And that's okay. In fact, it's better because we get to then lean into the grace of God. And the more we open ourselves up, the more we confess, the more we repent, the more we open up that message that God loves us. We don't have to earn that love. It's freely given. And the more the Spirit can start to mold us and shape us together to love God and love our neighbor and love ourselves. So I hope that you'll um, take this moment to uh, do the earlier activity about how you can paint or write about how God is moving in your life or what God means to you, how you can admit that you need forgiveness too. Uh, So let me pray for us today. Let's pray. God, grant us your forgiveness. And may it not simply be a terrible thing, but may it be a mark of your love for us that over and over again we return to you and you continue to fill us up with your breath and your life and your peace. Amen. I hope that this is a great start to your Lent season and we're here to journey with you. May you go forward and be somebody who loves God, loves your neighbor, and loves yourself. Amen.